Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you. And help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. We have been in this series, This Is Us. I hope it has been an encouragement to you. Have you enjoyed this series so far? (laughs) Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, today we're continuing in this and we we realize as followers of Christ, we can't really understand who we are unless we understand who it is that we're following. So today I want to take a look at a story in John chapter eight, where we get to see Jesus's interactions with people. And I want to, I want to go ahead and just dive right into it here. It says this in John chapter eight, starting at verse one, it says, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. Early the next morning, he was back again at the temple, and a crowd soon gathered, and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of the religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery, and they put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? And they were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. So uh, again, we have a group of people who they wanted to accuse this woman. They were, they were bringing accusations against her, but they weren't just trying to accuse her. They wanted to see if they could also trap Jesus and accuse him of saying something that might go against the law of Moses. The Bible says, but Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. So Jesus is officially ignoring them. I love that about our Savior. I love the fact that Jesus, sometimes when problems come up, he just, he just clicks the ignore button. And just ignore And maybe some of you, you've got to get that into your spirit. You've got to get that into who you are as a follower of Christ. Because there are certain things that keep coming up into your life that you spend way too much time focusing your attention on. And you need to hear this today, that as a follower of Christ, sometimes it's okay to just ignore the issue when it comes up. Because here it is, this issue is brought right to Jesus' face. And Jesus just like, he gets down in the dirt and starts, who knows what he's doing? He's like drawing, he's playing Sudoku, I don't know. Like he's, he's in the sand ignoring what's going on here. In verse 7 it says, but they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. And when the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, what a a beautiful question here. Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. So now she's exercising faith in Jesus. She just called him Lord, okay? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, no doubt, with a smile on his face. Neither do I. Go and sin no more. And Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, 
You won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to light. Come on, somebody, if you have the light that leads to light, let's give God a praise today. Aren't you thankful for him? Let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, we pray right now in Jesus' name that you would help us see Jesus today. That This isn't about what I would say. It's not about my opinions. What we ask is that your Holy Spirit would help us see Jesus more and look like Jesus more. So meet with us now, God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Another passage of scripture I want to look at before we dive into this service is this. I found in 1 John chapter 2 says, My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. Okay, John is giving us the entire purpose for the reason he writes this letter to believers, to, to people who are consider themselves followers of Christ and are putting their trust in Christ. He's going, we know sin's an issue. So the whole reason I'm writing this letter to you is so that you will not sin. So John has just established the reason for this. And, and wouldn't you agree that sin is bad? The whole collective three of you agree that sin is bad. Wow, we need to start from the beginning here. Maybe elbow your neighbor, tell him, wake up. Wouldn't you agree that sin's bad? Sin, Sin causes all sorts of problems. Sin causes all sorts of calamity. It causes disease and heartbreak and sickness. It causes separation between us and God. It causes separation between us and the other people that we love. It hurts our relationships. It also hurts us. And you don't even have to be a Christ follower to realize, like, wouldn't everything just get along a lot better if people would stop doing bad things, right? So John's saying, I'm writing this letter to you so that you will, you will stop sinning. So he's trying to tell us that this is the purpose of this. So I'm about to give you information that's going to be able to help enable you to stop sinning. And if you're anything like me, it's like I perk up because I'm like, I struggle with sin. I want to know how is it that I stop sinning? And I want to know. So what he's about to say next is so very important here as as he starts to point out the fact that, that, that we need to stop sinning. He says this. He says my dear children, I'm writing this to you that you will not, so you will not sin. And then he goes on and, and explains how. He says, but if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. Well, that's not what I was expecting him to say. Because I thought the way you got people to stop sinning is you started telling them about the consequences of your sin. You start telling them, if you keep saying, you're going to go to hell. And you might have tried that on your kids. I don't know, man. But it doesn't necessarily work. I mean, the the thought here is like, I got to tell you how the sin is going to do wrong in your life. It's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt other people. But what John is saying here is like, no, no, no. No, you have to understand. I I want you to stop sinning. So the way that you're going to stop sinning is you have to understand that we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. Verse two says, he himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins and not only our sins, but the sins of the world. So now the reason that Jesus is our advocate is the, in, in this scripture is this word sacrifice. It, this word sacrifice means that he paid our penalty. He took our place. 
that God looked at humanity and he saw our sin and he saw that we were separating ourselves from God and he said, I'm gonna take my son and my son is going to live a perfect and blameless life and I'm gonna allow his blood to be shed so that anyone who believes in Jesus as Lord and Savior can receive forgiveness and then Jesus now sits at the right hand of God and is our advocate. So when God looks at you and rightly and justly would say, but I see sin in her life, Jesus goes, no, 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 I got her covered. See, she believes in me. So when you look at her, look at my righteousness. Don't look at her sin. And, and, and he took our sin. He took our shame. He took our sickness. He took our disease. He took our pain. And he took it all to the cross. And he now stands as an advocate for you and I. And, and, and he's saying, God, you got you to gotta look at them. And you got to look at, yeah, they struggle. Yeah, there's, there's problems there. But they believe in me. So what covers them is not their own abilities. What covers them is not their own goodness. What covers them is my perfect blood. So look at them and see my righteousness. That's what Jesus is. He's our advocate. He stands in place for us. He stands as a place where he took our sin. And the Bible is telling us here that this is what will empower you to stop sinning. Not to tell someone you gotta stop sinning, uh, but, to, but to realize that you have an advocate who loves you enough, who died for you in order to be able to trade places with you so that you could have a home forever in heaven with God. Would you realize that you are that loved by God that he chose you in that place? That's gonna be what gives you the power and the grace in order to be able to say, you know what? I don't wanna live that lifestyle anymore. I don't want that sickness anymore. I don't want that addiction anymore. I don't want that shame anymore. So it's, it's, it's not, you, you don't get someone to stop sinning by telling them, you, 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 if you keep sinning, you're going to go to hell. That doesn't get people to stop sinning. That gets people to stop coming to church. So we've got to realize that's because this is the good news. The Bible describes what God did for us is good news. It's not good news. We can go around telling everyone, you're all going to hell. Like, like, that's what weirdos do out on the street and it doesn't work. It doesn't help anyone. What did Jesus do? Jesus said, no, 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 no. I'm going to be an advocate. I'm going to be the sacrifice. I'm going to take your place. I'm going to offer you hope. All you've got to do is put your trust and believe in me. And he looks at this woman and asks this woman this very interesting question. And I, I know that that covering just the gospel right there is good all, all by itself. But what I want to focus on today in the This Is Us series and look at is this question he asked this woman. When he looks up at her, he asks the question, woman, where are your accusers? In fact, turn to the person next to you and ask them that question right now. Where are your accusers? Where are your accusers? So I, I get it, yeah. There's some, there's some couples that are looking at you like, mm-hmm, I know right where my accuser is. Just look straight back for it. I, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. Where are your accusers? And, and it's my prayer that in Fellowship Church, they're not here. So you're going to have accusers in other places, but not in fellowship of church. It's my declaration, it's my prayer that we put our foot down and we say, okay, you're going to deal with the enemy trying to point the finger at you, you at other places, but not in fellowship church. 
I want you to take a look at this beautiful story. Hi, my name is Amanda Peterson, and I've been attending Fellowship Church for approximately 15 years now. Before Fellowship Church, my journey started with a broken home and divorced parents. I didn't know God. I didn't really know He existed. We didn't go to church, and so that led me into a life of bad choices. Um, I got into drugs and alcohol at a young age um, and got married and had kids at a young age and just continued to... Um, use drugs and alcohol and move around and um, just never settled in life, which ended me up in Grand Junction on the streets in 2004, um, where one Sunday out at the park, there was a group of volunteers from Fellowship Church who would come serve breakfast. And in doing that, they would ask if we wanted to go to church with them that day and that they would bring us back. Um, my kids begged me that we would go, and we really didn't have anything to do. Um, and even though I really didn't want to go because I had a misconception of what um, church was like, we went ahead and came. Um, the whole way here, I was feeling like I was going to be judged and um, made an example of don't be like that girl. Um, and if they really knew what was going on in my life, they weren't going to accept me and um, they wouldn't want me back at church. And when I got here, that in fact wasn't the case. They just loved on me and hugged me, welcomed me, and they were so um, genuinely glad to see me and the kids here at church. Pastor did a great message that day uh, filled with hope and laughter, uh, which made me want to come back to church. So me and the kids kept coming back, and within a few months I was um, clean and sober and was offered a job here at Fellowship on the cleaning staff. I accepted the job here at Fellowship. Since then, I've served in a few different ministries, bringing hope and healing to people. I am now 15 years clean and sober, still working at Fellowship Church and still serving, and I could not have done it without Fellowship Church and people walking beside me through this journey. This is us. We are Fellowship Church. I'm so thankful that God is making that part of the culture of what Fellowship Church is and of who we are, that this is us. Because some of you probably came in with the attitude like Amanda, wondering, are there going to be a bunch of people ready to accuse me, a bunch of people standing around with rocks if they only knew what I've done? And, and we have this prayer and this declaration that we would follow Jesus into this mindset of being the type of people where we're not accusers, where when, when Jesus asked the question, where? your accusers he's pointing out look they're not here not here in fellowship church and man it's easy to make that declaration right it's something we all agree with it's something we all want but have you ever noticed how easy it is to to allow the attitude of an accuser to wiggle its way in I mean let's be honest for a minute it, Am I the only one that has ever heard a sermon and immediately began applying it to someone else's life <laughs> Like you're sitting there listening going, man, I wish Sarah was here for this one. She needs to hear this. And I'm going to take good notes and start saying, like I'm texting her the notes right now as this goes. Yeah, I'm in fact, I'm going to go home and I'm going to get online and I'm going to take this message and I'm going to email it to her and say, Sarah, you are on my mind today. I was just thinking about you and I thought this might be uplifting and encouraging to you from Dan. Translation, girl, you're a wreck. 
Hopefully it gets through your sick head because you're messing your life up from Dan, right? It's like, it's so weird how it's like we, we, we don't want to be accused and we, we agree with this declaration that your, our accusers are not here in the church, but the attitude of an accuser can just wiggle its way in. And have you ever noticed that like, it's like no one makes these big magnanimous accusations where like, my brother, I accuse you in the name of the heavenly father that you have sinned. I mean, like nobody, does. I mean, maybe a couple of weirdos on social media do that, but like real people don't actually make those type of accusations. It, it, it more comes out in, in Christian culture as like it's disguised a little bit, like the, the prayer request, <laughs> you know, like guys, we just, we just need to get together and we need to pray for Beth today because I don't know if you understand what's going on with Beth, but Beth and her husband, they've got an issue going on. The way Beth is treating her husband, it's like, we need to pray because he might just leave her if she keeps treating her that. And no one's actually praying for Beth, right? We're all just talking. And guys, I, I don't want to gossip. I don't want to be rude about this, so I'm not going to actually say who it is, but, it, but I've got this friend who's really jacked up, and we'll just pray for the friend. And we'll, again, I don't want you to know who it is, so we'll just say it sounds like Rim Toesbury, but this dude is a freak, right? So, like... Who, who's praying, right? We're, what are we doing? We're just, we're just picking up rocks. And, and all of a sudden, before you realize it, like we're standing there just like these scribes and these Pharisees who they had their hands full of rocks because they're going, wait, I, I see something and I see that it's wrong. I see that it's sin. And, and it's so interesting that as we look at the story, as we look in John chapter eight, because think about this. And maybe you haven't looked at it in this story before this way, but what's interesting about John chapter eight is these scribes and these Pharisees, when they brought the woman to Jesus and accused her and said she should be stoned to death, they were right. Wait, what? By the law of Moses that these men had been taught from their childhood, they, they were taught if someone was caught in the act of adultery, they were to be stoned to death. So when these men looked at this sin and they saw the sin and they brought the woman to Jesus and they said, look, there's sin, there's a problem. She's a cheater. She's a homewrecker. They were right. And they said, we should murder her. And they were so right, yet so wrong. Have you ever met Christians like that before? They're so right, yet so wrong. Have you ever been a Christian like that? It's like we, we see the sin and we know what sin, because let's call sin what it is. I mean, sin is sin. sin. Sin hurts people. It wrecks relationships. It wrecks our relationship with God. It hurts ourselves. It hurts the people that we love the most. Sin is a bad thing. It destroys lives. It's bad. So we see sin. We see things in the culture. And you can be right when you're like, that's sin. But, but what we see here is maybe there's an attitude and there's a spirit behind this that wiggles its way in where you can be so right and yet so wrong because here now the attitude and the spirit of the accuser has wiggled its way in and these men are standing there in front of Jesus and they're saying look we caught this woman in the act of adultery we, we caught her here and 
And we can look at the rest of the world sometimes and, and see the different sins and see the pain. And sometimes we know because of the pain it's caused us in our own families that, that, uh, of how bad it is. And, and we think with it, we've got to fix this. We've got to stop this. They're so wrong. But, but don't let us forget if, if it wasn't for the grace of God, where would we be? If it wasn't for the grace of God, what sin do we have on us? And, and shouldn't we be standing somewhere where there's an accuser pointing the finger at us, where other people are standing around ready to throw rocks? Because every one of us in this room have sin. The Bible says for the wages of sin is death. And that, that every single person has sinned. So every one of us deserve death. Every one of us deserve to be accused. Every one of us have this pain. And we see that these men were right when they brought this, this, this woman to Jesus. And see, it's, it's easy for us to say, yeah, it's a cute message. And I'm, I'm glad I'm not a, an accuser. But I think we need to take a moment and get honest and realize that from time to time, every one of us struggle with picking up rocks, picking up a little bit of accusation here, a little bit of accusation there, and maybe not just for the people around us, but, but for people who think a different way or vote a different way or look a different way or, you know, or, or maybe they are the people that are close to us. Maybe it's our family members, our loved ones who are like, they shouldn't be acting that way because I see how they act on Sunday and then I know how they act on Friday night. And it's like, it, it's, it, it's like this, this attitude of the accuser starts to come in. See, I pray that each and every one of us would become more like Jesus because Jesus exemplifies the, the, the attitude and the, the spirit of an advocate here. Because we see that there, there are two different sides in this, uh, in this story here. There's the accuser side, the one who brings the accusation because they want to see penalty. But then there's Jesus who stands as the advocate. First John 2 says that Jesus is called an advocate. And an advocate is an intercessor. He's a, 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 count, a consoler, a confronter, a defender, right? And if Jesus shows us how to be an advocate, well, then we should all be advocates as followers of Christ. So we see in this story that first off, this woman, and it's so easy to just pick a side, like the Pharisees were bad or this woman's bad or whatever. So easy to do that. But let's not forget that this woman, uh, she, was, she was messed up. What she was doing was wrong. She was a homewrecker. She was a cheater. She was destroying not only her own life, she was destroying the life of another woman, another man, of their kids. She was, she was messing things up. She was like a modern-day prostitute or a modern-day porn star. So let's not try to make this look pretty. This is the, the same woman who, who's going through such difficulty. She didn't care what she was doing. And it's that woman that Jesus goes to bat for in this story. And the Pharisees were like, listen, they were bragging about it. They were like, hey, we caught her in the very act of adultery. And when I read that, I don't know about you guys, but I think like, man, there should have been someone in the story that raised their hand and was like, um, excuse me. And Jesus was like, yeah, you in the back? Yeah, I see you back there with your hand up. Yeah, uh, Jesus, that's weird. <laughs> What do you mean they caught her in the very act? Were they watching her? Like, do they have a GPS on all like desperate housewives and they're trying to like, how, how did they know that she was in the act of adultery right then? Like, this is really messed up. Well, I'll tell you how they knew. They knew the guy, right? 
They knew she was in this type of a situation because they knew the guy. Well, where's the guy at? I'll tell you that the guy probably slipped his robe back on and slid in with the crowd. I was like, yeah, we got to do something about this girl. Isn't it weird how we could look at this story and say, it's pretty jacked up that you would follow someone around and look at their sin. It's like, who has the bigger sexual problem here? The woman who's doing the deed or the men who are watching her do the deed and then pull her out of doing the deed in order to be able to accuse her in front of a group of people. See, sin can blind you to the own, your own struggle to the point to where you would look at someone else's sin and say, that's a bad sin, but what I'm dealing with, not a bad sin at all. I'm fine. And we get our little pet sins like I'm I'm good. Like what I do, it doesn't hurt anybody else, you know. So like like I'm fine. You don't worry about me. I'm good. I know I know what my intentions are, and since my intentions are good, I'm fine. But we look at other people and go, Can you believe that? And right in the middle of all this, what we see Jesus do, and I've only got three points I want to share with you today. Because this is us, this is our, this is our savior and he, he exemplifies this. And this is what you and I are going to be as fellowship church is, is, is an advocate for the world. And we see that Jesus decides to go to bat for this woman, to be her advocate, to, to console her, to defend her, to help her, to help someone who's struggling and sinning. He does three things. And when they bring this woman, they're like, look, we caught her in the very act. Jesus says nothing. He gives them the silent treatment. That's the first point. The first point is the spirit of an advocate is slow to speak. To be an advocate, the spirit of an advocate is slow to speak. This is not popping off everything that comes to the top of your head and saying everything you think about everything. This is what is so dangerous about our culture right now with social media and everything online and and who has access to media right now is you're saying so many things that should never be said. And the spirit of an advocate is slow to speak because with the multitude of words, you say a lot of dumb things. And the longer you've lived, you realize you've said some things that you wish you could take back and you can never take them back. You can go apologize and you go, go try to make amends, but Jesus here, he doesn't pop off. He doesn't just start talking. He, he slows down and, and he silences himself. Jesus doesn't have, have loose lips at all. He's silent. So I pray God make us slow to speak. When we're confronted on a daily basis with things that in this culture, they're, they're difficult to deal with. And, and that's what I love about so many uh, in our church, so, so many of the, our, our staff and pastors and volunteers here. It's like, we're confronted with things where questions come up that would blow your mind. Like, what do I do about this? This is going on. And I have no idea. And instead of just popping off and giving, well, I think we should do this and I think you should do that and you should really, what we do instead is we go, I don't have the answer. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to lead you to the one who does have the answer. So let's stop right now and let's just bring this to Jesus because the Holy Spirit can give you wisdom in the middle of something that he hasn't given us information on yet. He already has the information. So we need to be people who are, who are slower to speak and quicker to pray. Do you realize Colossians 4 says, let your conversations always be full of grace seasoned with salt, full of grace, seasoned with salt. That's what the the gospel is, that God loves you. He accepts you. He offers forgiveness to you. He cares for you. He created you for a purpose. And the salt is, the truth is that, that there's sin and you need forgiveness. 
But what we get is so wrong on the opposite side is we deal with people sometimes and we, we throw as much truth as we can and then just dab in a little bit of grace where it's like the real problem is you should stop doing this and stop doing that. It's going to wreck your life. Your kids are watching what you're going to do and they're going to follow you down the very same path and, and it's going to jack you up. It's going to jack your marriage up. You're going to lose your job. You're going to do this and you're going to do that. But I guess Jesus would probably forgive you if you, if you asked him to. It's like a lot of truth. Have a grace. And guys, to be following this model that Jesus gives us, we have to be people who are, who are slow to speak. The spirit of an advocate is slow to speak. The second thing, the spirit of an advocate is a great leveler. Jesus was a leveler here in this story. Even by the physical posture of the people, you have the Pharisees and the scribes who were standing tall, who were standing above this woman there with the rocks in their hands. And what did Jesus do? Jesus got down low. He got down in the dirt with the same woman who's being accused. So these, these men who thought they had it all together and they thought that they were above this woman, what, Jesus decides, okay, what I'm gonna do here is I'm gonna get down on the same level with the person who is struggling here because, because these men had it confused. They thought that they were at one level and this woman was at another. They thought that their sins weren't quite as bad. And like I said, we get these feelings sometimes like my sins aren't as bad as other sins. And we even start to look at this in pop culture and think, well, some people are better than other. That guy is not, he only plays in PG movies. So he's not as bad as the guy who plays in our movies. And like, have you heard her song lyrics? Like hers are a lot worse. So she's much worse than the girl that only sings on the Disney channel, right? You know, so like we, we get these things in our mind, like some, certain sins are worse than others. And, and, and the Bible shows us that no, there's no such thing as a good sin or a bad sin that the Bible says every one of us have a sin issue. And that sin issue, it separates us from God. So what there is, is there's forgiven or unforgiven. There's people who acknowledge the fact that we need forgiveness through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And there are those people that think that they're good enough to get there on their own. And Jesus is saying, those people will be condemned. Only people who are forgiven will make it. So he levels these men out. He says, okay, you're right. You are correct in reading the law that you can murder this woman. Go ahead, do it murder. But go ahead and first look at your own life and see if there's any sin there. See if you should be condemned too. And one by one, each person looked at their own lives and started realizing, wait a minute, but for the grace of God, I would be the one in the middle of this circle with people throwing rocks at me right now. But for the, guys, how, how we try to clean up our lives on our own, but how filthy would we be if but for the grace of God. So Jesus here with this woman, he, he, he levels out the playing field and he makes everyone realize that, listen, we all need forgiveness, okay? He's slow to speak and then he's a leveler. And then the last thing that we need to learn to be an advocate is that an advocate is not afraid of guilt by association. An advocate is not afraid of guilt by association. Notice Jesus wasn't worried about what they might whisper about him. Can you believe Jesus is down there on the ground with that prostitute? Can you believe that? Like he's not up here with the teachers. He's not up here with those who are like trying to persecute her. I know. 
No, he, he's down on the ground with her. He's, he, can you believe who he hangs out with? The Bible describes Jesus as being a friend of sinners. He was never worried about like, is their yuck gonna rub off on me? He was thinking, I, no, I, I wanna help them. I see that they're in pain. I see that they're hurting. And to be an advocate, you got to get past the point of going, uh, what if they associate me? What if, if, if I hang out with that person who has that sin pattern in their life, is everyone else going to think I have that sin pattern too? If I, if I hang out with people who vote that way or who think that way or who, who put that type of sticker on their car, is everyone else going to look at me that way too? And Jesus never cared about that. He cared that uh, I see that this is where the hurting people are. And I want to get down in the dirt with the hurting people. See, anytime that there's a tragedy, whether it be an earthquake or a tsunami or something horrific like 9-11, there's always the multitudes that run away screaming from the problem, but there are the peculiar few that turn towards the screams and turn towards the tragedy and say, I've got to get in there and I've got to help them because they're hurting and they need rescue right now. And that, my friends, is who Jesus is. And that, my friends, is what the church must be. We've got to be the people that say, my city is hurting and my city is addicted and my, my coworkers, they struggle with things. And there's, there's, there's problems in marriages and I've got to get in there in the dirt with them and help them and show love to them and show grace to them and show mercy to them. Because Jesus asked this question, where are your accusers? And after he extended his grace, and leveled out the playing field and all of the accusers went away. She looked and realized she was only standing there with Jesus and he said, well, neither do I accuse you. Now go and sin no more. And see, what's amazing about this is the order in which this takes place. Because so many of us think, if I can just stop sinning, then I can get right with God. But God shows us, no, it's the opposite. If you can just receive forgiveness and love from God, then God can empower you to walk away from the very thing that has been holding you back, the very thing that's been holding you in bondage, the addictions, the things that have been keeping you up at night, the very thing that you think, if I could just end that, then I could be good with God. He's going, no, get good with me, and then we can end that together. So church family, we're full of a room full of people here. We're all jacked up. If you're sitting next to a person who's got their arms crossed and they're acting like I got it all together, they're the ones that's just as jacked up as you. Like this is a safe place for the addicted. This is a safe place for the hurting. This is a safe place for people who can't seem to get their minds right, who struggle with doubt, who struggle with faith. This is a safe place here. Why? Because God has already extended grace to you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you have never received forgiveness from Jesus and, and you've, like, you've, you've done everything you can to try to stop sinning, it's, like, it, it's not about the sin issue, it's about the forgiveness issue. If you've never received forgiveness from Jesus, he offers it to you. And right now what I wanna do, I wanna end this service with a prayer, with everyone praying, repeating after me to just give you the opportunity to receive that forgiveness from your heavenly father who, who sits as an advocate for you because he cares for you, because he loves you. 
that he doesn't accuse you. You're not going to find accusers here. You're going to find a group of people who were all sinners, we're all messed up, and we all need forgiveness. So pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, and I know I need forgiveness. I believe you died for me, and you rose again to take my place so that I could have a home forever in heaven with you. So please forgive me of my sins and be my savior. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's give our God a shout of praise. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you're Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week.